Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I love new Bibles, but I hate breaking them in. <laughs> it's difficult sometimes. Amen. If you have it, say, Praise the Lord. All right, sounds like most of you. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to, and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. I want to preach simply from the thought, space to repent. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask him to speak to us. In Jesus' name, Lord. God, I believe that you're going to move in a mighty way in this house, God. I feel your presence in this place. God, I know that you want to move, God. Lord, help us to allow you to do that, Jesus. God, you see the condition of every soul in this house. God, you know each person. Oh, God, you know their needs. You know where they're at in their walk with you, God. God, I pray that you would minister to those that are hungry and thirsty for more of you. God, I pray that you would anoint me and help me tonight as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, let your word go forth. Let it fall upon good ground tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Going to Genesis chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1, it's the story of Noah, very familiar story, most folks in the world know it, even if they're not familiar with nothing else in the Bible, it's almost, the story of Noah's ark is almost as recognizable as the story of the cross and of Easter. Genesis 6 and 1 says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth. And daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took, took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in, unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. It's important to note verse 8. Verse 8, we focus too many times on the fact that Noah made it past the flood, but the word grace implicates that Noah had made mistakes himself, that Noah himself had fallen, that 
perhaps he had made the same mistakes as everybody else in the world. But he heard the call of God, and he heard, and he was in tune enough with God to know that God was not happy with the earth. Continuing on in verse 12, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. God gave Noah specific instructions to build the ark. For a hundred years, Noah sounded the alarm that God was displeased with the earth. Every stroke of the hammer as it built the ark, was an incessant reminder to all that heard it that judgment was coming and that they must repent. Switching, de- switching gears for just a moment. The definition of space is the boundless, three-dimensional extent in which objects and events have relative position and direction Sir Isaac Newton formulated many laws of gravity, motion, etc. to help explain what space was. There was much debate back in the uh, reawakening, if you please, after the Dark Ages. Um, There was much research into the universe and what our place was, whether everything revolved around the earth or whether... Everything revolved around the sun, and many argued. Men lost their lives over their opinions, even. Galileo Galileo, Galilei was thrown into jail because he believed that the sun was the center of the universe. Uh, And there there was many people in that day attempting to explain what it was, what space was exactly, and they were trying to explain why it mattered. Why, why did it matter to them? Why, why were they attempting to figure out what space was? We all know the story of Isaac Newton very well. He was sitting under the tree, and the apple fell either next to him or on his head, and he realized that there was gravity. Of course, people always knew that before, but until then, nobody had put it into words. But I do not come, that's not my purpose tonight, to propagate or to disprove scientific theories of what space is by equations. But rather, I came to show what space is to us with a working meaning and why it matters. God created this world and this universe to be infinite in its ability to sustain its purpose. Its purpose, all flesh, The whole earth, the whole creation, our purpose is to worship God. And in its most pure form, at the beginning, that's what it was doing before man fell. And had mankind not fallen, the atrophy or the gradual destruction of the universe would have never begun because God does not create things to fail. However, the fall of man in the garden triggered many events, one of which was time. Time has, an un- has had an unbreakable bond with space since the fall of man. 
In Genesis 2 and 17, God told Adam that in the day that he partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that he would die. Death is the end of one's time on earth, but merely is the moment eternity is realized. Death is really the only reason that time matters. If we didn't die, who cares how long it would take to get from point A to point B? If we didn't die, who cares how long it took to get married? (laughs) You know, death is why time matters. Time is but a small part of space. It's just one small component of the mathematical definition of what space is. Space is also a location by definition. So time is a part of the puzzle. The location is a part of the puzzle of what space is. We're located on this earth. Obviously, hopefully we're not on Mars tonight. We're in Hutchinson, Kansas at 1319 East 17th Avenue in the Sanctuary of Apostolic Faith Tabernacle. And the time is 8.01 p.m. We have location. We have time. Thus, we are occupying space. Going back to Genesis 6 and 3, the Lord said, My spirit will not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be in 120 years. We find again in Psalms 90 and 10 that God at some point between Genesis 6 and 3 and Psalms 90 that he had again reduced the lifespan from 120 years to 70 or by reason of strength, 80 years. And as Moses, I believe Moses wrote Psalm 90, so in a relatively short amount of time, God reduced the lifespan by another 40 years. And the amount of time that we occupy space has been reduced because God simply gets worn out with dealing with man's wicked imagination. That was the reason given in Genesis 6 and 3. He said, my spirit will not always strive with man because his thoughts are continually evil. So his days will be cut to 120 years. And so God gives man a space to repent. He gave him 900 and some years before he reduced it to 120. And then 120 years still created too much evil in those that would not repent. And so he again reduced it down to what we have at our present day, 70 to 80 years, which most people live. There's much debate of why we are here, what our purpose is. Do we matter? Is there meaning? Is there anything out there? Is there meaning to life? So on and so forth. We've heard it all. I've heard many men on my job Door knocking, I don't believe there's a God. There can't be a God. I, I've never seen him before. I've never felt him before, so why can there be a God? Just a side note to that, the reason why Christianity as a whole, not the apostolic church, is dying is because Christianity today is a religion of tradition, not relationship. When you have relationship, you, you see God move. But because today... Everybody just does their time on Sunday, their hour on Sunday. They never see God move. They never see him do miracles. They never see him fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. And thus, Christianity as a whole is dying. 
But that gives more opportunity to us as apostolics because we have the power. We have the ability by the power of Jesus Christ to heal. Amen. To see people filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So don't ever let it become a tradition to you. Always let it be relationship. As we humans, as we as humans are sinners and we're fallen in nature and we occupy space, our, I believe that our first purpose is to repent. Just like God said in Revelations 2 and 21, he said, I gave them space to repent. We will find no other purpose until we do that, until we repent of our sins. That is the why of space, to give us an opportunity to repent. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 6 and 2, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The space to repent is a time and a location chosen by God and given to man to give opportunity for reconciliation. There's many examples in the Bible of a space to repent. At the fall of man, God didn't just leave them hopeless. He gave them coats of skin because their feeble attempt of covering with leaves wasn't enough for God. So he gave them coats of skin, and by extension, if he gave them a coat of skin, he had to kill something. And so thus, God performed this first sacrifice and demonstrated to them how that they needed to sacrifice to roll their sins ahead. Noah built a space of repentance in building the ark. The ark was a space to repent. He gave a hundred years for men to take the opportunity to get on the ark. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Amos, and many others, many other prophets prophesied destruction to the nation of Israel and the surrounding nations of Israel, the nations that surrounded Israel if they did not repent. What they were doing, they were foretelling of destruction, but there was a promise in each of the scriptures where they foretell destruction that if they would repent, that God would turn away from his anger and he would repent of the anger and the destruction that he was going to destroy them with. They were giving them a space to repent. Jonah proclaimed a space of 40 days. He went into the city of Nineveh. He didn't want to go, but yet God drug him there and said, tell them in 40 days I will destroy this land for their iniquities. And so Jonah went into that city and preached. He said, repent, otherwise you're going to be destroyed. He said, repent, otherwise everything you have, you yourself will be lost. He was giving them an opportunity, a space to repent. John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness, crying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Jesus himself said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus proclaimed, woe unto the cities that did not repent after seeing the miracles that he performed in them. The miracles were an opportunity for them to repent. 
Jesus himself created a space for us to repent. He said in John 14 and 2, I go to prepare a place or a space for you. When he stretched his hands wide on Calvary and took that last breath, an opportunity or a space was created for us to be reconciled with him. You might ask, what is repentance? I've talked a lot about it. Repentance is simply turning from your sins. Not just saying words, but actions go with your words in repentance. It's saying, God, I'm sorry for every sin, no matter how small, no matter how great. I'm sorry for it. God, please forgive me. And then it's a 180-degree turn that I no longer ever will do that sin anymore. What must I repent of? 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 tells us specifically many sins that plague our world even today. Man, I love to hear Bible pages turning. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, that is homosexuality, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So if that is you, the Bible says if you're guilty in one point, you're guilty in all. Those may not be exact words, but that is the effect of it. We've all made mistakes. We've all got to repent. What happens if I don't repent? I've got a lot of Bible scripture that I'm going to read to you about what happens if we don't repent. This, I, I, I feel a burden in my heart that God is coming soon. And so these scriptures are meant to bring conviction. And they're meant to make you think, am I ready to meet God? I know most of us in here have the Holy Ghost. Most of us have been saved, but we must live a daily repented life. So don't just take these scriptures and throw them over your shoulder, but take them personally and let the word of God be applied to your heart. Romans 2, 1 through 9, but we, or verse 2 through 9, I'm sorry. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that thou that judgest them which do such things, and doeth the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man, that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile.
That's what happens if you don't repent. Revelations 9, 20 through 21. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship the devils and, of, and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Revelation 16, 8 through 11. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues for pain, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and repented not of their deeds. Revelations 21 and 8. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Second Peter 3, 3 through 14. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they, are will they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are, that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, Look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. One more. This is the words of Jesus himself telling the parable in the rich man and Lazarus. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things. And likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, please, Father, that thou would send him to my house. For I, I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The rich man had his space to repent, and he wasted his opportunity. At some point, Lazarus found opportunity, and he took it. Amen. You can come to the music. The altar is a space to repent. Acts 17 and 30 says, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Not one person in this room will any longer be able to claim, I didn't know that fornication was a sin, that adultery was a sin, that murders were a sin. No longer can you claim ignorance. But by the preached word of God, you know right from wrong. Pastor, our pastor has preached against sin many times. We know what he has preached. He's preached it very plain. He's laid it out in black and white so that you can know a sure path to get to heaven. Continuing in sin after being told to stop is outright rebellion. And is as the sin of witchcraft. The only remedy to that is to come to this altar and find a space to repent and pray for God's mercy and his forgiveness. As I said, when you repent, you've got to say, God, I'm sorry. I've made mistakes in my life. I've done things wrong. I've told lies. I've been disobedient. Maybe I've stole something. Maybe I've made immoral mistakes in my past life, God. Forgive me. I've been disobedient to my pastor, perhaps, God. Please forgive me. I truly am sorry, God. Then once you raise up, once you stand from this altar of repentance, you have to make up in your mind that I will never, ever make the mistakes that I repented of again. I know to do good, I'm going to do it. The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. My last encouragement to us tonight is that 
We don't have tomorrow promised to us, whether it be death, whether it be the rapture of the church. We don't have a guarantee that we will have a space to repent tomorrow. Even an hour from now, we don't have a guarantee that we will have a space or an opportunity to repent. So I'm asking you, every one of you, whether young, whether old, to come to this altar tonight and to repent, to get everything out of your heart. Whether you're, you've never been to church before or you've been a couple times or whether you've been in church a long time, we all got to make sure that we're ready to meet God. So uh, let's come to this altar tonight and let's make our hearts ready to meet God. Amen, because I want to be ready to meet him. I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to be condemned because I would not find a space to repent. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Created me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit, O God. Wash my soul, Lord, won't you take control? Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. clean heart, new in me, rise spirit, oh God, wash my soul, Lord, won't you take control? Please. 